Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of the world's greatest show in the history of the recorded things since the Rosetta Stone, Nerd Thug Radio. I am Corey DLG and with me as usual is little brother Nico. That's me. And uh, yeah, this is, as always, the best show you're going to hear on the radio, kicking off your weekend, bringing you the style and panache of an old Case Keenum Weekly Top 40 mixed with the shock and awe of a Howard Stern talk-off. This is Nerd Thug Radio. You know, Howard Stern has always confused me as a person. Because, like... Because he's so tall? Is he a pelican? Is he a big bird? The world may never know. Maybe. He could have convinced me otherwise. (laughs) Now on either side of the fence... If you would have been like, that was the man who was in Big Bird, I'd be like, I believe that. Yeah, you gotta wonder about, like, who goes inside something that big. Sort of like uh, the movie Predator. Originally, it was Jean-Claude Van Damme who was gonna go inside the suit, but uh, he quit after, like, two days of filming or was fired, depending on what version of the story you believe. So like it's, it's I always wonder like who's in the suit. Who is that guy? Who is that masked man? Why is Howard Stern confused though? You, you have more reasons or just? Oh, it's just because like I always like hey, what, what was he host on America's Got Talent? Uh, X or, like, Factor or something like I think a couple yeah. of them actually. Yeah, yeah. So like he's on that, and then also has this like crazy legendary like talk show that he's all over the place well and he's really kind of changed his image here so like he was the king of like shock radio the 90s like sort of like yeah like oh yeah super hardcore like you were real like what's happening on the radio um his movie uh and his book private parts are both really interesting um he once had a woman climax on air by manipulating the audio frequency on her speakers. Um, like he's, it's a really, he's, he's a weird dude. Uh, and the career is very different, but he built this massive empire that was huge. And then, so the pendulum swings back and forth in America culturally, as far as what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. And, Post-Janet Jackson Nipplegate, there was a huge movement to really kind of clean up entertainment. And Howard Stern was one of those things that, like, it was just unacceptable that he was on the radio waves. Suddenly, there, suddenly, what had been allowed to be this massive thing that grew into a national radio show, which I, I, I people don't understand how hard that is to accomplish. The logistics and the money and just what goes into that, like, to, to turn Howard Stern into a national radio icon, there's about, if you say name people nationally famous because of the radio, the list is like four names long. So, like, it's, it's, it's incredible what he built and then what almost immediately, almost completely disappeared from the map just because of how kind of the, like the movement culturally in America. And then satellite radio came in at just the right time and offered him a hundred million dollar deal in like ninety eight or oh one, which was unheard of. And it was ownership and stock and money. And then 
he was, and I think he was, I think he was always XM, and then XM and Sirius merged. Um, and then he, there was a studio built, and now his show isn't even so much about, uh, like strippers and fart jokes and stupid stuff. It's, it's really more about like these crazy in depth and very real, honest interviews with celebrities where they talk about stuff they never talked about, roles they didn't get. Uh, like he asked them how much they get paid on their first acting gigs. But there's a lot of stuff that he kind of coaxes out of them. And really, they like you learn a lot uh, listening to his show now. But his career is really kind of this is a twisty, turny road he took. I mean, either way, it worked out. Hey, listen, it's one of those, like, if someone could, if you were like, you met the deal maker in the beginning of your life and he offered you the life of the career path of Howard Cern, you would never turn it down. So. He also also doesn't age because he's looked the same forever. (laughs) But it's because he's kind of an ugly and awkward guy that, like, yeah, and I mean, like, the, the, the curly hair and the sunglasses is, like, welded to his face. Like, they, they never move. Right. And so, like, you never know. Maybe maybe at this point it's a wig. <laughs> <laughs> he might be. I don't know. Um, okay, there is a massive, massive story in comic books that we have to, that we're going to talk about. I mean, it's, it's huge. Um, it's huge for a couple different reasons, but it's also... They killed the Wolverine again. No, 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 no. This is real huge. This isn't like publisher hype. This is like... I thought it was fake when I read it. Okay. Okay. All right. So, do you know the name Bill Willingham? Not even close. All right. He was the writer and owner and creator of a comic book called Fables. Okay. Fables is one of those books like Invincible, Walking Dead, Saga, that when it launched, now this one was DC Vertigo though, but when it launched, it was the biggest book out at the instant, and it was an indie book. Sort of. It was DC Vertigo, but it was still indie. Um, and the premise was uh, that all the fairy tales you've ever heard are real, they exist in a fairy tale land. A war has come to that land, and those people have hidden themselves away in the real world, like uh, war torn immigrants, and are in hiding in plain sight. All right, it's a pretty cool concept. Okay. Now, some people right now are literally saying, isn't this the plot for the TV show? Once Upon a Time or something like that, or Ever After. I don't know what it's called. I think it's called Once Upon a Time. Uh, And the answer is, uh, yeah, a little bit. As a matter of fact, when that show came out, it was accused of directly ripping off fables. And as a matter of fact, there are several parallel stories and storylines and characters and behaviors that are identical. And, like, you could spend a small amount of time... um, you can spend a very small amount of time like drawing tons and tons of parallels between those two, between that TV show and, and Fables. So Fables kind of wound down. It, it came to an end. He did a spinoff for a little bit, and then he said, okay, you know, uh, on to other things. Recently, he was approached by DC Comics 
they pointed out that the 20th anniversary was coming up, and they asked him if he wanted to come back and do some more fables. Um, he was interested. He had some new ideas he could do. But there was, even as they did this, he started to have some trouble with uh, Warner Brothers and uh, and the people at DC Comics. The guys who approached him um, both left before they sat down to actually do the deal. And the negotiators that he started working with the very first contract they offered was a work-for-hire contract. For Fables. What? Okay. Right. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I own Fables. DC doesn't own Fables. I do. Um, there will never be a work-for-hire contract that I sign for Fables. I am the sole owner of the IP rights to Fables. And the people who were negotiating it, they eventually came back and said, oh, Sorry, we didn't really look over the details of this deal before we got into it. We were just trying to give you kind of like a standard deal that we do. And he was like, all right, well, get your mind right, because uh-uh. um, He then proceeded to just have problem after problem after problem. Uh, it's been just a few years of problems. Also, there's been a Telltale video game. The, the studio Telltale made a Fables video game. And I think they're about to release a sequel, honestly. Uh, and they did all of this with the permission of DC Comics and an agreement with them. And Bill Willingham, according to his contract, how he reads it, he's entitled to half of it. And Warner Brothers has flat out refused to pay him forever. Finally, he got them to admit and acknowledge that they owe him the money. But when they went to pay him, instead they labeled it as a uh, consulting fee and included an NDA that prevented him from ever discussing that he gets paid, that he got money from the Telltale Warner Brothers deal. Um, so it was around that time that he said, you guys are not operating in good faith. He's 67 years old. He doesn't really feel like suing them. He knows the massive monster of an uphill battle that would be. Um, he doesn't. He's not really interested in doing it. So today he released a statement. And he announced that uh, starting September 15, 2023, the comic book property called Fables, including all related Fable spinoffs and characters, is now in the public domain. <laughs> what was once wholly owned by Bill Willingham is now owned by everyone for all time. It's done. And as most experts will tell you, once done, it cannot be undone. Takebacks are neither contemplated nor possible. This move does not affect any of the works already in print, and Willingham still plans to collect all owed royalties for past work, and he still plans to put them to the, to the table and demand the money from the Telltale Games and things of that nature. Um, however, he is making Fables a creator-owned, or uh, a totally public, uh, public rights comic book property, and... He says, this doesn't affect the contract with DC. They can't contest or reinterpret to their own benefit. I'm the sole owner of the intellectual property. I can sell it or give it away to whomever I want. Um, this is the way This is the way to do it. Wow, what a champion. Uh, it's 
It's massive. This is a huge deal. I like how he just out of spite was like, I'm literally too old for this. You know what? Yeah, I I now there are some people who are trying to say that there's not a there's not a clear cut way to legally do this, blah blah blah. Um Willingham doesn't seem to care. He he's I think he would be the one who would have to sort of fight to enforce um, like a copyright issue, and he's flat out saying he's not going to do that. So I think everyone's free to do whatever they want. And I think the thing about this is that's most interesting is this is the really the only way to strike a blow that hurts DC about fables because it, it basically means, okay, you didn't want to deal with me fairly. You didn't want to treat me right. You didn't want to just honor our agreement as it's written. You think you're being super slick and super lawyery. Well, here, let me fix that for you. Now anyone can make a, a Fables TV show based directly out of Fables. They can even call it Fables, and you can't do a thing about it. It just vacuums all the perceived power because it's like, and who value, cares? There's now yeah. zero value in this property, right? Like, Oh, do we have an agreement that binds me to you and you think you can just do whatever you want? All right, cool. Now it's worthless. Tough luck, buddy. Anyone can do anything with this. It's almost like the the Supreme Court decision that was like AI art can't be copyrighted. Right. Where it's like, great, go ahead, studios, use it. I dare you. Because anything you write with it becomes immediately free. (laughs) Yeah, and and honestly, it's... uh, like I said, this is huge. This is massive on so many levels. Um, it, I don't know necessarily how much this really, 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 really hurts Warner Brothers DC Comics. Probably not a lot. It, what it does do, though, is it does kind of give a roadmap to other people in similar situations. Yeah. You think that they are really screwing you. If you think that you're really in a stuck spot. And by the way, they did they did make a video game. Uh, you know, I mean, and he didn't get paid for it. So well, it's just the the gall of being like, all right. Also, this is not us admitting that you got paid. This is us hiring you as a consultant and then you can't say anything about where the money came from. Right. Like, just the sleaziest backhanded ways to do things on the planet. Like, what more of a legal, we don't respect you, do you want? Yeah, and and honestly, so, okay, on some level, if this is the situation that, like, the, the, the writers and actors are facing and why they're on strike, if this is sort of a spotlight into those situations then it sort of kind of opens the door to be like, all right, well, obviously, if this is what it looks like, then, yeah, of course they went on strike. Like, if every time they turn around, they're having to threaten to sue their creative partner in order to get things done, um, frequently they wouldn't pay him for all of his royalties. He would have to, like, threaten to go to court, and they would fight over numbers of sales and stuff. Like, it's just, there's a ton of this just really feels asinine, like, we're either partners or we're not. And if they're not going to be a good partner, then you can't 
you can't do business with them. And I, and I, and I don't understand what the goal was on something like that. Yeah, it's one of those where it's like you you're so blinded by like I don't know corporate greed, like like the little bit of extra money you could squeak out of a deal, like what, like how cartoonishly evil. Yeah, are you really going for the <laughs> like the cartoon stereotype villain uh, who like twirling his mustache, going like. <laughs> This is a comma, not an and, and therefore we get all of the money. And you're like, really? This is who you want to be? Like, I'm trying to create something for us, and this is who you want to be. Right. Kind of reminds me of a story. Uh, there's a, I forget where it is. I'm going to have to look it up. But it's a, it's a, I think it's either a mayoral or like a, like a government position. But they have the ability of veto, and you're like, okay, that's pretty standard. And then they have the ability of partial veto. That is a power. That's a superpower in politics. And then I was like, well, what does that mean? It's like, oh, they can just veto words. Yeah. And you're like, what? That's not even a real thing. Yeah, like, so forever, <laughs> the president has wanted line item veto for budgets. But like even line item feels like like very very extra. But partial is even more ridiculous because you'd be like, "Oh, we need thirty two thousand dollars for this program," and they're like, "Actually, you meant thirty one dollars for that program." They just <laughs> decided to veto the thousand part. <laughs> they're like, "This budget's great. This is looking wonderful." But then he can run on, I, I created jobs, and I saved us money. Right. It's it's like the absurd amount of legal, like, walls and just absolute disregard for any, like, it's like they don't even care that this is a person they're even talking to. Yeah, because they're not at that point. Yeah, like, they're like, hey, can I get my money? And they're like. Yeah, but you're doing this as a consultant fee. You can't tell anyone about it. It's like, you owe me this. This is literally in our contract. And we'll see about that. Well. Well. And they just, like, I love that he just was like, this is, this is dumb. Whatever. Do whatever you want with it, guys. I don't care anymore. I don't yeah. need this. So, like, one part, I, I, I'm amazed by the move. Because it is, it does... It's it's mutual. It's mutually assured destruction, right? Like, look, because it means it certainly means for him that he could never come back and tell a fable story. Well, it a hundred thousand percent means he can tell a fable story. Well, it does, but I mean, everyone else is like the brand is super watered down. Not necessarily, not if a ton of people, even if a ton of people doing it, there's still some credence to like the original creator of X rewriting X. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe. Like if the X Men were public domain, you'd still freak out about like Chris, Chris Claremont's writing it, right? Uh, no, actually, because he came back recently, and it sort of okay. If moment, it wasn't bad, no, it wasn't good. It wasn't. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, this wasn't good, and that was sort of the thing where I was like, uh, no, because I did buy it. I did get excited, and then I was like, 
this isn't very good. Like, <laughs> see, okay, it turned out bad, but you were still excited, so my point still stands. That's fair. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's fair. I yeah, I don't. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe just really only burns Warner Brothers. But yeah, he was like, if somebody wants to make their own Fables action figures, TV shows, video games, movies, comic books, novels, go to town. That's cool. And now we don't have to worry about the weird legal dispute once upon a time taking all our story. Yeah, like a ton of their stories. Um, like, like I really hope it got super blatant. Like they're taking like they're taking entire plot lines wholesale, they're just changing like the character's name. Uh in the beginning there was a lot of that. Like like people were literally like several fans of the comic assumed there were so many similarities that they thought Once Upon a Time was based on fables. Like, I distinctly remember that being, like, a Googleable thing back then, like... Is Once Upon a Time fables? Yeah, yeah. And, like, it, 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 the answer would be, like, no. As a matter of fact, it's a blatant ripoff. <laughs> like, yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's what we're doing. Oh, okay. See, now they don't have to worry about it. That's true. Yeah, I uh, imagine imagine the bullet, the, the the amount of sweat you have. You think you're about to get nailed with like the worst lawsuit ever because you've been copywriting this guy's stuff wholesale, and he's like, "It's public domain." <laughs> we dodged it. I, I actually, I think when that happened, I I think there was some sort of legal action back in the day, and it was decided that be, because they're both they're based on like open characters. That like it's just a coincidence, and everyone move on. <laughs> and he was it's like, okay. "They're literally, they're literally copying my story." Yeah, and they were like, yeah, "That's that. weird." Yeah, that's weird. I, <laughs> I simply wrote something almost identical. That simply was my fault. My fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I this is huge. This is huge. Uh I just I it's definitely sad because like they came to him to do more fables and then they really just went out of their way to hose him on it. And yeah, like still I'm sure the people them. who left were actually cared but unfortunately they're not there anymore. Yeah, it was guys like Dave DiDio who was, you know, editor-in-chief of DC Comics for a long time, and they're, they they just were no longer associated. It's got to be a weird feeling. You get hired on, and everyone that hired you is gone by the time you get there. Yeah, that's got to be, yeah, for sure. They're like, actually, in the whole rigmarole, no one you talk to is here. What did you need? Yeah, what are you here for? Oh, yeah, they had promised me a job. Fables? Uh, there's an email chain about that somewhere. Let me find it. Yeah, let me see. Let me see who was that. Said, oh, it's mine. I'm in charge of Fables. Oh. No. Oh, come come with me. I guess we'll give you thirty bucks. Yeah, like WTF, mate. WTF. So I, it it does give me a little bit of hope in the sense that maybe more writers in similar situations can maybe do something drastic or bold like this but i don't want them i don't want them to have to have to do this to get what they deserve yeah unfortunately we truly live in the age of 
literal mustache twirling corporate overlords. It's gotten so bad recently. <laughs> well, and it just feels stupid. Like, it just feels dumb. And I guess we can use this to transition over to the studios and talk about the strike stuff, but, like, it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to just... When you, you see, like, okay, Adam ruins everything, that dude. He's basically been going on every talk show he can find and all that and basically making the case for the strike. And he was talking about how what the writers were asking for from Showtime Max, from the Max app, that company, Discovery Max or whoever they are, whatever it's called. It was essentially point zero zero like 4% of last year's revenue. That was what it would have cost to honor the writers' demands last year, all year. Um, that's nuts. Like, what are we fighting about? Yeah, the answer is not a lot. And also, it's because these streaming platforms are honestly not good. <laughs> well, I, what I think we're starting to learn is, and I feel like I've said this forever, the economics of streaming don't make sense to me. Um, and I think we're starting to learn that the economics are coming home to roost and they're having to kind of justify these numbers, you know, like, I I think it's a different boat that they're in now than they were in before. And and now it's unnecessarily cool to give $500 million to Adam Sandler to make 10 movies. If you don't get any extra money when those movies come out, like those movies don't generate revenue for you. Right. Not only do they not generate revenue for you, you're having to go into a bunch of debt, and debt is getting very expensive now. Yeah, it's it's really expensive to keep carrying debt now. Um, and I don't, I, I, I just don't. I've never understood how the streaming model actually functions to, like, in the process of determining value for something. We talked about this. Do you? Uh, do you remember what's what's the name of the movie that the cartoon that we were just cracking up at the machines versus oh the, the Robinsons or whatever the Robinsons uh oh god something with an M M versus the machines I don't remember what the M name was Matthews no it's gonna bother me Mitchell's Mitchell's versus the machines all right so when Mitchell's versus the machines. When that came to Netflix, it was originally built for another studio. Uh, it was a Sony movie, I think. I think that that sounds correct. And at Sony, they weren't sure that, it, first of all, for some reason, Sony decided they weren't going to release it. I don't know how you get to that decision. Right. The movie is fantastic. Um, I just, one of the funniest movies. Okay, let me see here. I'm starting to find it here. Okay. Featuring the voices of Daniel Wright and Olivia Coleman, the streamer said that the sci-fi comedy, which comes from Sony Picture Animation, was watched by 53 million households in the first 28 days. Uh, that's more than the 43 million that tuned in for Over the Moon and the 38 million that watched The Willoughbys in the same period. Uh, and elsewhere, on the film side, Kevin Hart's Fatherhood was watched by 74 million in the first 28 days, and Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead by 75 million uh, oh, this isn't an article I want. I, I was looking for one where it said 
It cost it cost Netflix like a hundred million dollars to get this movie. <laughs> yeah, and that was uh, so. Here we go. Let's go to the. No. I don't like. So they bought it from Sony Pictures. Yeah, they want okay. On January twenty first, twenty twenty one, Netflix bought the worldwide distribution rights to the film for about one hundred and ten million dollars, with Sony retaining home entertainment and theatrical distribution rights in China. So Netflix paid one hundred and ten million dollars for to show someone else's done movie. For 58 million people that were already subscribing to watch it. How does that work? How does that make Netflix any money? Have 50 million subscribers that pay $20 every month? I don't know. And that's where I get stuck. I don't understand the the system. I don't get it. Um, I I understand that perhaps there's a budget every month they can go shopping with based on their subscribers and their money in. But how does that translate into like what does it matter? I guess I guess I just don't understand like how what they're buying or not buying is good or bad for the company, I guess. Like I just don't see I don't see it. I don't understand well, even some of their even some of their original programming, they have to cancel because it's too expensive to keep making. Well, that's what they say while they're canceling it. Maybe it is. I mean, I know at one point they were spending something like thirty million dollars for that Sense Eight show, thirty million yeah. episode, and I was like, "Are that many people watching Sense Eight? And then it turned out that it was it was something in the neighborhood of like twenty million people watching it, which is a massive number if that was a TV show. Like if HBO had twenty million people watching. Well, I think they, I think they have like, how many people do you think watch Game of Thrones? Now that we're saying that out loud, I have no clue. I have no concept of how many people is a lot of people. Yeah, because it's a subscription thing, right? Right. Like, and also like, the numbers in streaming are super sketch, anyways. Like, what counts as a view? Like, what if you just clicked on it for a little bit and you're like, hey, I'm not into this, and you watch two minutes of it? Like, did you watch the whole thing? Okay. Um, Game of Thrones ended its run by averaging just under 12 million viewers. Every season, it did grow its audience, which is unheard of for a television show. Uh, Disappoint everyone. An average viewer count of 44.2 million during, during all seasons. Which is less than Mitchell's versus the Machines, apparently. Right. Correct. So HBO probably spent $2 billion over the course of Game of Thrones making it, right? Because they were talking about how each season we got more and more expensive. And by the end, they spent like $600 million to make the last season. Um, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Netflix spent $110 million. Right. Like, but, but again, I don't, the cult, I don't but the cultural, like, and the cultural impact of those two things are nowhere near the same thing, right? 
and even if you want to extrapolate that further, it's not even necessarily money out versus money in. Look at uh, Brings of Power on Amazon. That costs like a billion dollars an episode, and there's like what six, eight episodes. And by the way, I don't love it. I don't like it at all. Yeah, that that thing wasn't even very popular. Let alone like people just didn't like it. People were like, hey, it's whatever. Ten billion dollars on that show. Okay, so I think they spent truthfully. I think they spent eight hundred million dollars making that show, and it was only eight episodes. So a hundred million dollars an episode. To get a lot of people to go, meh. Hold on, let's let's find it. Let's find the thing. Cost rings of power. Ninety million dollars an episode. Yep. Holy smokes. Yeah, and what do they really get for it? Initially, the show's first season was supposed to cost roughly one hundred to one hundred and fifty million, but the finished project ended up a price tag near four hundred and sixty-five million. My goodness, we we uh we missed the ballpark by a lot, boys. Can you imagine coming to like? Can you imagine coming to work and being off by $370 million? Even at Amazon, that's got to be a lot of money. And coming up to Jeff Bezos' room, knocking on the door. What is it? Well, you see, it's about the Lord of the Rings thing. Oh, great. Is it done? Yeah, but... Oh, is it done, done? Uh, Well, we're out of money. Does that count? <laughs> Well, how many episodes have you finished? Yeah, Ooh, one. episodes? Oh, did you want more than one? We got one done. You were very unspecific about that. I made orcs. Look how cool <laughs> they are. Yeah. I don't understand streaming. I, like... <laughs> so, I get, okay, I now let me tell you this. Something like what Apple did with their soccer package, I completely get. Where they made it a separate in-stream package. And then they made their deal with Messi where he gets like 4% of buy-ins or whatever. I think that's brilliant. Um, And then they're just in a foot race to try and recoup their costs before the season ends. I think that's amazing. That makes perfect sense to me because it's a secondary buy-in beyond just Apple television. Whereas if Apple TV had given Messi 3% of just all new subscribers for the next four months or something, I'd have been like, how do they know? Like, what are they, how are they tracking this? Yeah. Like, we're almost to a point where it doesn't even really make a whole lot of sense. Like, Streaming services, what they offer versus how much they are, doesn't really make a lot of sense with how much their money they're spending. Yeah, and, and, and also, because also there's don't... so many of them. There's so many of them, and yeah. I don't think any of them, aside from Netflix, are profitable. Well, Netflix isn't profitable here lately. Yeah, but I... Netflix has turned profits before. While yeah. every other streaming service straight up hasn't. 
Well, I think someone like Disney Plus probably I would consider still on par to, on path to be profitable. Um, yeah, but on path doesn't mean anything if you're going to keep sinking money to it. No, no. Well, I I agree, but I also think the other ones I don't see. I don't understand how their business model works. Disney because they already make movies and they're their own in-house publisher, and they already have a very successful record. I can understand where they can keep. They already like Netflix had Netflix like six years ago built its own studio to keep filming stuff in America to save money. Like Disney's like we've had studios for like a hundred years. You know no, what I mean? Like yeah, and that's fair. And you can keep putting the Disney stuff on it for sure. And I think that that is sort of the. But other than Disney, I. Yeah, I don't know which I don't know. Like, I don't know how Amazon or and Amazon probably because it's all tied with their membership, it probably is less important to them that it is profitable because it is just another add on to that Amazon membership. Plus, they have probably one of the best shows ever to be streamed The Marvelous Miss Maisel. If you haven't seen it, please watch it, it's very good. So, I've never actually sat down and watched that. I was, I thought you were gonna say, uh, like The Boys. Or the boys. There's a bunch of good stuff on uh, Amazon. Amazon is far more selective about what they stream, but what they stream tends to be culturally more significant than these other shows. Absolute heaters. That's for sure. Like when they stream something, it very rarely is something I don't watch. Rings of Power, Rest in Peace. We just talked about. It. I mean, I tried to watch it. Like, I mean, I, I I tried to. If it had been good, I would have stayed. That's uh, fair. Hundred um, million dollars an episode, right? Like they had my attention, but by the third episode, I was like, "Is everyone dead yet? Why isn't this over?" So happens when you pick your main characters to be immortals. Why does everyone live so long? Well, and I'll tell you what. Like, even their intro to the to the elves was cool. Like the idea of like an elven strike force sent to the land of man in search of like any elves that survived the first great war. Like, bro, that's cool. Like that is neat. And then it just dragged from there out. Like they murder most of them almost right away. And then you never see it. And then it's just over and you're just like, okay, all right, well, there you go. Um, yeah, I like, Apple TV doesn't have Ted Lasso was was huge. Uh, their show Shrieking I found kind of appealing, um, but I, most people probably didn't need to ever see it. Like it's probably not like changed the world good. Uh, the morning show is interesting because it's just. I don't know, like a, like a really riveting conversation around me too and power and television and dynamics and network and contracting it's different it's interesting uh but again i don't know about half of what apple makes i don't know that i've ever watched yeah nor have i heard anything that's like you gotta watch it right um it's apple amazon hulu Hulu is essentially now just where all the networks dump their stuff for me to rewatch later. Yeah, it's also like the 
the oddball but not oddball now because it's the only ad supported one. And that one at least makes sense because between the ads and the people subscribing, I I can see a pro, like a a clear path to profitability because the more something gets watched, the more the ads go. Right, which makes perfect sense, but nothing else is that way, so I don't get it. And then it's also owned by Disney, so they have their fingers in two pies. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't I don't know about that. Like I don't understand how that works. But like they own that and then also ESPN. Uh, is it part of like a, a cable company too as part of the whole thing with Fox? Aren't they like splitting from them? I don't know. I don't know. I heard I heard something like the they're getting rid of like a huge like live TV like partner. Yeah, I mean it would make sense if they were, but I don't know if I don't know if they are or not. It's something like that, and basically it boils down to it'll probably be fine. It only hurts cable consumers, which I feel like is kind of magnificent that they still exist, but I mean inertia is a real thing. Bro, that's that is not a lie. You know people still have landlines, like what? People still have landlines. We've oh. had cell phones for like forty years, and people still have phones, you know, and they can't leave their house. I swear to God, I thought you said landmines right there, <laughs> and I was like, "What? What are we talking about?" No landlines. Landlines. Okay, I buy that more. I mean, if you own landmines, I'm pretty sure they're illegal, but could be wrong. It is illegal to booby trap your own house, which I think is uh, rude, but. Um, I mean, I I think it kind of needs to be. Why not? It's my house. I can do whatever I want to. That's one of those people who doesn't know what the word freedom means, like in the context of legality, right? Look, if you try to come into my house in a giant Rube Goldberg machine, (laughs) blows up the entire house. It's not my fault. <laughs> uh... <laughs> it's like a game of mousetrap at the very end. It just deletes my hard drive. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. I, I. I think if you booby trap your house, there's probably other issues. There's probably other issues that we should talk about. Yeah. I running for government. That'd be my first, my first <laughs> decree. You can bootstrap your own house. That's your platform. Yeah. Uh, like, I would, okay, if you were running for, here's here's what you would do if you're running. You'd be like, I am part of the real freedom movement, and people would be like, Yeah, freedom. You'd be like, I believe that we should be free to do anything not directly outlawed by the Constitution. And they're like, Yeah. And then you're like, As a matter of fact. If you want to booby trap your own house to explode your in-laws when they come to visit, I think that's allowed. Stand your ground. And people in the crowd start going, what did he say? And then you're like, if you want to tackle the moose and then make it wear a ball cap and run around and the ball cap says, I've been tackled by the greatest free man in America, you can do that. America. And then they're like, wait a minute. Now we're tackling. I don't want to tackle a moose. Do we have to? And you see you're just the crowd like – 
to just kind of break up with you, like out of laziness. It's like there'd be one guy sitting in the very front row, being like, "This is the guy I've been waiting for." He's clapping and everything. He's like, "Yeah, tackle them moose. They got it coming." <laughs> If you want to knock Nissan Sentras off the road willy-nilly as you drive by, you can do that because in a free America, there were no consequences. And people are just like, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this the purge? And then you go, now that you ask, it is. And then you shoot <laughs> someone in the audience and then run off stage. Right, into my booby trap house. <laughs> and they're like, sir, we're going to need you to come outside. And they'll be like, come and get me. <laughs> And then as I hole up inside my house as the Rube Goldberg machine (laughs) ticks down because I did not set it up to not include me. (laughs) Forgot to tap the right code as you entered. Yeah, I didn't ground myself. The static electricity of my shirt blew myself up. (laughs) Or even better, like you just accidentally left the gas stove on. For no, on accident, like, like there's, there is, there is, uh, dang, he fell into his own booby trap. It's like, actually, report show, he just died in a gas fire. That was yeah. not, that was actually just gas in his house, and then he struck a match, light a cigarette. That was actually unfortunate. <laughs> Sad to see him go, a man of our times. Freedom, <laughs> freedom. All right, Braveheart, calm down. <laughs> like. <laughs> Somewhere there's one guy who's like, he was a patriot. <laughs> Some say the most patriotic of all. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> he truly knew what it took to be free, and he sacrificed. Again, he died in a gas accident, dude. <laughs> this is not like a holier-than-thou scenario. This wasn't the deep state. He died a very normal thing. That's what they want you to think. Okay. All right. The government set him up. (laughs) Who controls the gas? The government. Big gas got him. (laughs) Big gas. (laughs) I love the concept of big anything. (laughs) Yeah, you can just put big in front of all of it now. Then big cell phone got him. I like the idea because it makes no sense, but it doesn't stop people from saying it. Like when they're like, Big climates who got involved there bribed them into lying to you about environmental science. And it's like, how much money do you think they're getting paid? That's what they want you to think of Big Mattress. (laughs) Big Mattress. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is a guy who does make mattress. Listen, this blows my mind. Um, there is, in oh. fact, a guy named Big Mattress. We, we've That'd upset be- the balance. <laughs> he, he goes around fighting the, the, the furniture stores that are too cheap. Okay, no, no, no. Okay. I won't do it. I won't name him because I'm not going to do a commercial for him. However, I heard his ad on a radio show before, and I was curious, so I looked into it. He builds all of the mattresses there in his store, and their price is like a fifth of what it costs to buy a mattress. Oh, man, he really is Big Mattress. I was lying. <laughs> Well, the other people are big mattress, right? Because, like, he's fighting them by just making the stuff there in his store. Um, and this is, I'm not doing the MyPillow guy. This, this is a guy here in Houston. He literally builds the beds and the furniture, all kinds of stuff, here in his store, 
you come in, you guys talk about shape and design and all that, and he shows you some models and ideas, and you talk cushion and all that, and then you go from there. And, uh, yeah. I, when I figured out that he was running a successful business with employees and overhead and the whole thing, buying materials, but still building beds like a fifth of the cost of other, like, okay, if a queen mattress is $1,400, like standard, cheap standard, this guy is building one for like 280 Yeah. I mean, that's, that's nuts. So then you start going like, how much money are they making off of us? And then you start finding stuff out like, so the bed that I have right now, I bought off of Amazon.com. It is one of the most comfortable mattresses I've ever, I've ever slept on in my whole life. Just rolled it out of a box. What a champion. Between after shipping and everything, it was like 370 after shipping and tax. Pre all that, it was like 280. That's crazy. Yep. So then you start thinking about like the markup that some companies charge on stuff. And you're like, how did we get here? The answer Big Mattress, they got you. Big Mattress, Big Mattress did it. So I guess there is some big. The big X. That's how they get you. But like the bigs, it still implies like a weird like cabal of like secrecy and, and, and all that before. When in reality, it's just a matter of like the old system was one factory made mattresses and shipped them across the country and it was expensive and it took a long time. And that kind of became the price for mattresses and everyone's just accepted it and everyone moved on. And no innovation has ever reached the price of mattresses, which blows my mind. Man, it's almost like competition is always a good thing. It certainly appears that way, unless you are big mattress. Oh, yeah, oh no. The, the, the giant conglomerate has competition and has to try harder. That's... <laughs> well, but not only competition. Like, how would you feel, though? I mean, you know, I'm just... Oh, speaking of industries, this is... I don't know we're coming up on it, but... Uh, did you hear the uh, the huge news that uh, cold medicine doesn't actually work? Uh, yeah, they're pulling a bunch of cold medicines off the shelf. I read the article, and my first thought was like, who do we sue about this? Like, think about how many years people were trusting brands in, in medicines, and they've done studies. Just, like, just, in, the last, just in the doctors. last year. It was well, like $1.2 billion in sales. There are, cer- God, there are certain doctors who have said their whole careers that this ingredient has no effect on cold symptoms. And nobody ever looked into it. Like, are we getting, like, I saved all receipts. Like, do I get a rebate? Like, and cold medicine's expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I I genuinely, when I read that, I was uh, I was a little weirded out. Yeah, you're you're a proponent of the get cold medicine and then sleep it off kind of guy. I am. I really am. So like, I'm a big I'm a big believer on like if you start to feel bad, buy like the three medicines that touch your symptom, take a hit of each of them, and go to sleep. And then, like, you don't – a lot of times you don't get sick when that happens. I've done that several times and avoided getting sick. 
Um, but now, like, maybe one of those three wasn't really doing its job. You just placeboed yourself into oblivion is what happened. Which kind of pisses me off a little bit. Like, I could trick myself at home for free. I don't need... <laughs> That's what they want you to believe. Big farmer. <laughs> Big cold. <laughs> Big mattress. They're all coming for you. <laughs> I just, I honestly... Big man, placebo. <laughs> Big placebo's out to get you, man. I... I genuinely, genuinely am annoyed by, like, when I read that article, I, my first thought was, like, everyone's been lied to. For years. Not even, like, a small amount of time. And no one's going to make a big deal about it. It's but sort yeah. of like, it's sort of like no one making a big deal about the fact that all the rating agencies sold this out. Truth. Big credit. Like, like, yeah, like no one, no one has ever then asked the rating agencies why they deserve to exist. Why are you here? Yeah, and the fact that they hold so much power over every single thing in the economy for no and, reason. And yet, and yet, when they were put to it and testified in Congress, they said we're an opinion group. No one is obligated to listen to us. Everyone listens to you. That's the entire point. I just, I like, sometimes I do sort of look around and go, we're not going to, no one's going to call them on that. We're just going to let it go. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. And that really blows my mind. It genuinely kind of confounds me a little bit. Um, I, yeah, man. <laughs> the idea that cold medicines don't really work. Uh, I read that article and my first thought was like, so we should be looking at somebody like it's a so fraud. Gotta, so we gotta blame someone, right? There, well, there's a fraud. Someone perpetrated a fraud because at some point, as a company, they knew that the cold medicine no longer was effective and said nothing. And as a matter of fact, advertised it, advertised you should take it for the symptoms. That's a fraud. Yeah, that's like the textbook definition of fraud. Like that's an open and closed case. Hey, you should take this if you're feeling bad. It is cold medicine. Does it and help it, with any cold symptoms? No. No, no. Turns out, no. Does absolutely nothing. Speaking of doing nothing, we're going to jump out. This is Nerd Thug Radio wrapping up the first hour of our show. When we come back next hour, we're going to be talking sports through our show called Sports Talks Anonymous. It's great. It's fun. We're going to enjoy it, and you're going to enjoy it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for hanging out with the first hour. We will be right back with another hour of entertainment. Uh, just make sure to have a great time and enjoy yourself. This is, of course, Nerds Like Radio. Thanking everybody for listening. And make sure you have a great weekend. You can check us out uh, on Facebook. Facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio.